for, uh, for a lot of folks, the new year means a fresh start. And maybe you are one of those folks who have made promises or resolutions at the beginning of this new year. Maybe you're hoping to break a bad habit or maybe you're hoping to change something in your life. And I'm always intrigued by the introspection that we do at this time of the year and what determines if we succeed or fail. I want to remind you today that we are here to worship a God who always makes good on his word, who promises to never leave us or forsake us. In Jesus Christ, God has promised renewal. He promises freedom from the hold that sin has on our life, and he promises eternal salvation if we will simply put our trust in him. The Bible says that all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He has set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee of what is yet to come. So let's give God thanks for that gift today as we worship our Lord. Will you bow with me in a moment of prayer? God, you invite us into this new year, reminding us that the one who makes all things new has made his home among us. We are called and we are chosen. We are, in fact, embraced by the God in whom all tears and all mourning, crying, pain, even death will one day be no more. You have told us that you are coming again. So move us in this time of worship to be honest with you and to open our hearts and minds to what you would say to us this day. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a little background on this month's new teaching series. Um, when you looked at the title of the series called Help, My Life is Out of Control, I'm sure that some of you have decided in your heart and mind already that it doesn't apply to you. Uh, you don't see your life as being out of control. Uh, you're active, you're busy, and your life is pretty good just as it is. Well, I'm going to ask you to reserve um, judgment until you've heard the teachings in this series. Back in 1982, uh, someone gave me a piece of advice. Actually, it's just a phrase that has stuck with me ever since. And it's about how we live our lives day in and day out. And the phrase is this. Activity is the antiseptic that covers up an empty life. And activity is the antiseptic that covers up an empty life. Not all activity is meaningful and purposeful, and sometimes we just can't sit still, and there's, there's a reason. In our culture today, we have learned to find our identity in our velocity, in our business, in our pace of life, in our busyness, and that's not just physically dangerous, it's spiritually devastating. And this isn't um, just a problem for Christians. It, it's a problem for all of us, religious or not. And even those who, of us who are workaholics, uh, one of the biggest offenders today is the smartphone because it gives us the illusion that we're always on, we're always active. We don't just eat dinner now, we post pictures of dinner on Instagram, you know? Uh, we feel obligated to, to respond to numerous threads on Facebook when we see them. We don't just have people who are grumpy in line at the supermarket. We feel the need to respond to an anonymous critic or even a cyber bully on social media. You see, we're always just one text message away from the words, I just want to give you a heads up about this. And those are words that can upend our entire day. And all of that can be exhausting. Today, I hope you'll begin to get a different view of life as we 
Look at living life at an unsustainable pace. And most of all, realize that our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't really care how many Twitter followers you have. But he does care about how much time you're spending with him. So we'll get to all of that in a few moments. We get to share Holy Communion together uh, today as well. But let's bow in a moment of prayer first. Holy God, we welcome the new beginning that a fresh year offers. All of our good intentions are caught up in the promise of starting over. So help us to leave behind that which we cannot change and move forward boldly on the paths to which you would lead us. We accept from your hand today the gift of new life. May your love for us never run dry and may your blessings be upon us this day as we worship you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Seems like many of us today live in a constant state of hurry. It doesn't matter where we are or what we have going on, we always are trying to move faster or get more accomplished than we did the day before. Comes out in statements like, hurry up and get your coat on, we need to leave for the store. Hurry and eat your breakfast, we have to leave for school in three minutes. Hurry, church started five minutes ago and we haven't even left the house yet. I know some of you have said that. <laughs> Let me ask you, what happens when you're ready to check out at Myers? Do you ever count the number of items to see if you can go through the fast checkout lane? And if you can't, do you then scan the row of open registers to see which line is the shortest? And then look at how many items people in those lines have and how quick and efficient the cashier looks and then make a determination as which to which line is going to be the fastest. I've done that, I know you have as well. It's the way we're programmed. We make an evaluation and a decision in a matter of seconds because we don't like waiting. We live in a constant state of hurry. Now, it wouldn't be so bad if it ended there, but it doesn't. Once we make the decision which line to get in at the grocery store, then we make this mental note as to where we would be in every other line. And we mark our progress to see if we actually did pick the quickest line. For some reason, I never pick the quickest line, which means I get frustrated at myself because I picked the wrong lane. I get frustrated at the cashier because they don't scan fast enough. And I get frustrated at the customer in front of me because it always happens to be the one who has a coupon for every item. What's really sad is that there are times that I do this and I get frustrated and then realize I don't really have any place to go. <laughs> so why am I in such a hurry? See, we're all in a hurry because our schedules are overbooked and our lives are crammed full of more and more activities and, and responsibilities. You know, the speed limit is no longer the speed limit. It's the speed minimum, isn't it? If people aren't going five or 10 miles over the speed limit, we get frustrated and we pass them. Microwaves don't even cook our food fast enough. Every now and then, I admit I eat lukewarm leftovers because I don't want to leave the dish in the microwave that extra 30 seconds. Now think about it, the most popular coffee makers on the market right now are single-serve machines that can give us a cup of coffee or tea or hot chocolate in a matter of seconds. I'm thinking I don't have to work too hard today to convince you that our lives are busy 
and our schedules can get out of control. And many of us are living this way day in and day out. But what's scary is that our children are also learning to live this way. When I was in high school, I was busy. But I was busy with just a couple of things, mostly sports and church. I was in one sport a season because back then, you know, sports weren't year-round. You could be in three or four sports during the course of the year because it was a seasonal activity. I was active in my church and youth group, and I did a fair amount of hunting and hanging out with the neighborhood kids. And other than normal schoolwork, that was about it, but it was a sustainable pace. Today, our children and youth are involved in multiple sports year-round that often require travel and overnight trips and tournaments, and then there's dance and piano lessons and band and drumline and art and drama and scouts and advanced classes in school so that when they graduate from high school, they've already earned some college credits. But to make sure that they can actually get into college, they need to have more than a few college courses. They also need to volunteer in the community and be in student government and then to help pay for the skyrocketing car insurance premiums. Once they turn 16, they need to go out and find a part-time job. How any student today has time for social media and texting is beyond me, but they still do. But what's sad is that in these out-of-control schedules, our children and our youth have one of the things that is most often pushed out is being involved in things that nurture and deepen their faith. Church is the first thing to get cut. Although I'm excited that we can offer things like camping experiences in the summer and vacation Bible school and work camps for our kids, and things that provide students with an opportunity to deepen their faith and their understanding of God's place in their life, these things are not enough. And basically what I'm trying to say is that our lives are out of control. The lives of our children and our youth are out of control. And the schedule of many or most of our families are out of control, and there are consequences to this out-of-control lifestyle. And I'm guessing that some of you today may not be in agreement. You think I'm just an old guy who doesn't understand what it's like to raise a family today and living Uh, lived in today's fast-paced world. We'll take it from Kirk Byron Jones, who wrote a book called Addicted to Hurry. And he says that the result of our hurried lives is that, and here's his quote, we don't see clearly, we don't listen carefully, we don't think deeply, and we don't savor life fully. Now, I want you, I want to, in the few moments that we have today, I want to look at each of these statements individually. First, when we get really busy, we don't see clearly the things that are often the most important, and we don't see the things that are right in front of us. The well-known evangelist, Billy Graham, tells the story of when he was a young preacher, and he was out in Los Angeles doing a series of revival services, and his daughter, Anne, had just been born, and he left Anne and his wife Ruth back in North Carolina. During the revival, Billy's family unexpectedly decided to come visit him. And when he saw his sister-in-law holding his own daughter Anne, he asked her who the baby was. He had been so busy, he didn't even recognize his own child. Now, before we get too critical of Billy Graham, the truth is that we can all get so busy that we don't see the needs 
of our family and of our friends that are right in front of us. We can get so busy with our own schedules and activities that we don't see the hurt and the disappointment in the eyes of those who need us and love us. We can get so busy that we fail to see the beauty that God has placed in the world around us. And if you doubt the truth of my words, just sit down at a restaurant sometime where families are present and watch how little conversation is taking place because they're all on their cell phones. Or maybe it's like that even in your home whenever there's a few moments to gather together and relax. A second consequence of our out-of-control lives is that we don't listen carefully. We might say that we're listening to someone, but in reality, we're not listening. We're thinking about what we have to do next. We aren't even thinking about what we're doing at the moment. We're thinking about what we have to do later. And when we don't listen carefully, relationships begin to suffer, and marriages suffer, and children become isolated, and friendships fall apart, partly because we're not really listening. Third, in our hurry-up world, uh, it also means that we're not thinking deeply. Thinking deeply means that we take time to reflect so that we can learn from experiences and what life is teaching us. There is wi- that's where wisdom comes from. Wisdom is really just life re- experience that's reflected on and learned from. And wisdom develops when we take the time to ask the question, what does this mean? What does this mean for my life? See, these are the questions we need to be asking, and as we read and pray and, and, and read Scripture and pray and, and, and read the news and reflect on decisions and choices that we make each and every day. And if we're going to gain wisdom and perspective in life, we need time to simply think deeply. I fear that in our hurry-up world, where every message needs to be expressed in 140 characters or less, there is no room for deep thinking which means we struggle to become really wise. And then finally, living our out-of-control lives also means that we don't savor life fully. We're so busy running from one event to the next event that we never really enjoy what we're doing in the moment. We need to stop and celebrate what is taking place in our lives. We need to nurture friendships and strengthen our family and need to take time to thank God for all that he's doing in our life. And when we get too busy, all of those things begin to suffer. Again, my guess is that I don't need to convince you that some of us are experiencing those things in our life today. And I'm sure you could tell me stories of the times you weren't able to see clearly or listen carefully or think deeply or savor life fully. So what's the answer? Well, if you're like me, then right now what you want is a quick three-step solution so that you can apply it to your busy life and move on to the next thing. Am I right? Well, that's part of the problem. So let's just stop for a moment, and maybe that's part of the answer. Maybe we just need to stop for a moment. Maybe we need to stop and confess that our lives are out of control and we need to make some changes. Maybe we need to stop and take a deep breath and look around, uh, look around us and look at our phones and calendars and schedules and admit, and re- admit that our lives are hurried and, and we're tired and we need to live differently starting today. 
You know what that's called? Stopping to confess our out-of-control lives is called repentance. Repentance simply means to turn around. More specifically, it means turning away from a life that God doesn't want for us so that we can grab hold of the life that God does want for us. So maybe what we need to do is just stop and repent because our lives are out of control and, and we're, what we're living is not how God wants us to live. It's not how God ordered the world. And we know that because God has told us that. Let's go back to one of the early books of the Bible, the book of Exodus. In Exodus 20, we find the Ten Commandments given to Moses by God. This was the earliest framework or guidelines we have to discover how God wants us to order our lives. Listen for the word of the Lord in these words. You must not have any other God but me. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I laid the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. In six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the, seventh, the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. See, God wants us to take deliberate and intentional time to rest. Think about that. There are over 630 laws in the Old Testament, and taking time to rest makes God's top ten list. God says taking time to rest is right up there with you shall not murder and steal and worship other gods. And God is so serious about our need to rest that he wants us to start getting serious about it too. This commandment begins to teach us how we can live differently. Look at the first word there, remember. When we begin to slow down, we're able to stop and remember that God calls us to rest because God created us to have a certain rhythm and flow in life. We need to remember that we are God's children created in God's image and God took a day to stop working, to rest and to renew, and we need to as well. This is why worship is so important to our day of rest, because worship helps remind us of who we are. When we come together in worship, we are reminded that we are God's people, we are created in God's image, so just like God, we need periods of rest so that we can focus on him. God created a day to rest because rest is important to our quality of life. Rest is important to the survival of the world. Now think about it, farmers understand that even the ground needs time to rest and renew if it's going to continue producing good crops. The world needs rest because it's how God ordered it. And we are no different. We need rest if we're going to survive in life and in our faith. So the antidote for our out-of-control lives is to remember that we need time to rest, but it's not enough just to remember that we have to actually do it. Application is everything. We need to actually stop doing some things in order to, 
to rest. But to stop doing things is hard for us, isn't it? For most, it's difficult because we're busy doing a lot of good things. We can't just stop doing our job, but God calls us to get that work in in six days, remembering that we need a day to rest. The big question is, what other things can we stop doing so that we can have that time to rest? For many of us, this might mean deciding between several very good things. Are we willing to give up something good in order to experience the best that God has for us? Here's the thing. If we aren't willing to give up something, we stand to lose everything. Can I say that again? If we, weren't, if we aren't willing to give up something, even something good, we stand to lose everything because at some point, things will begin to fall apart. Have you ever tried to run on a treadmill and at the same time hold a bunch of other things? You can't do it very well. And eventually, you're, you begin to drop some of those things, no matter how good they might be. So think about what you might be able to stop doing in order to rest and make the most of the good things that God has given you. It's a difficult question, and that's why I've included it in our next steps for today, because it's not a question we can answer quickly. Deciding what good things we must uh, or we might need to give up requires some deep thinking, and it requires wisdom. So I want to invite you to do this. Take some time this week to think deeply about what you might need to stop doing in order to, to rest and renew and, and spend more time for the, in the things of God. If you're part of a family, you know this might need to be a family decision. You might want to talk about it with your spouse, your children, because there are implications on how it affects the whole family. But what we need to stop doing is just one half of the equation. We also need to ask ourselves what we might need to start doing or do more of that will help to renew us. What brings joy to your life? What recharges your batteries? What makes you feel alive and connected to God? And connected to other people. And if you can identify some of those things, then you need to make sure you order your life in such a way as to include them on a regular basis. Maybe it's taking a walk in the woods. Maybe it's painting a picture or listening to music or playing the piano or reading a book. Maybe it's going for a run that helps you to renew and recharge. Not only do our daily and weekly routines need periods of rest and renewal, but the seasons of our life do as well. And that's what Jesus teaches us. I want to end today with some words from the Gospel of Mark because they are some of the most powerful and maybe important teachings of Jesus for us to hear today. In this story, the disciples had been out working hard and long hours, and they were exhausted. And they were so busy that they didn't even have a chance to eat. Does that sound familiar? If it does, take heart, because God is concerned about the schedule you're keeping. These are words from Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because they were so, there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Let's go off by ourselves and to a quiet place and rest a while. 
See, Jesus called his disciples away for some time alone, and he wants to remind them who they are and where their power comes from. And here's a hint. They didn't get their power from themselves, but only from the God who would renew them. He wanted them to physically stop moving and get some rest, and he wanted them to renew their hearts and minds by reflecting on all that was going on. And since our lives are always going to be lived at a pretty hectic pace, we need to set some time to recover and to renew ourselves. One of the things this teaching series will show us, I hope, is that in many ways our lives are out of control. And we are the ones, the only ones who can change them. We are the ones who need to repent and to stop and confess that things are out of control and start moving in a new direction. You see, the answer to the hurry-up pace of our lives is to remember who we are as the people of God. People who need to stop and to renew and rest, and then we need to find ways uh, to recharge our lives so that we can see clearly and listen carefully and think deeply and savor life fully. Amen.